Hello there, friends. Trying something new today. Uh, doing a YouTube live to talk about the new moon. I've got a chat window open if you are interested in asking a question or just saying hi. Um, like I said, this is a brand new experience for me, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes today. But uh, just just so you know, I have a um, I have a 20 second delay on this. So if you do put a, uh, a question in there, it'll be on a 20 second delay. Um, hi, Carly. How you doing? Uh, hi, Susanna. All right. We've got California here. We've got Finland. This is exciting. Carly, I hope you're doing okay. I, I was seeing that you were uh, not feeling so well today. So um, you got my thoughts and prayers today. I hope that you're feeling feeling better out there. And Susanna, very exciting to see you here from Finland. So I tried to uh, make this early enough so that uh, you weren't up too late with the five-hour time difference. But um, yeah, so thank you all for, for hanging out today. My name is Spencer Michaud, and we're going to be talking about the new moon in Aquarius. And we're going to be kind of breaking down the chart. Uh, I'm going to be sharing my screen and uh, talking about what, what, uh, what we're experiencing here today. Oh, yeah, Carly, you said you have COVID. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, like I said, thoughts and prayers for you, and I hope that you're able to recover quickly from that. We'll, uh, hopefully, we can bring you maybe a little peace of mind today, but um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. This is a, a difficult time that we're going through uh, as, a, as a community right now, and um, I think that this is something where we're, we're all going to be touched by this uh, pandemic in some way or another, and uh, yeah, it's a, uh, <laughs> oh boy, what a time, isn't it? What a time. Well, let's uh, let's get started here. Um, I have some notes in front of me, and what I'd like to do is share my screen and talk about the new moon today and talk about uh, what we're going to be experiencing as a collective and as a community. Um, I did an I Ching reading for this new moon. Um, so I will break that down. This is a really interesting one. Uh, we'll talk about a couple fixed stars, and we'll take a little bit of a sky tour as we as we go along. Um, but let me share my screen here, and we'll take a look at the take a look at the uh, the thing here, the thingy. Okay, can you all see that? So hopefully you can see my chart. And I'm trying to keep an eye on the chat box here as well. So what we're looking at here is a new moon in the third decan of Aquarius. So this is going to be happening today, Thursday, February the 11th at about 2.06 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it may your mileage may vary as far as... Uh, when it will be happening for you in your time zone or whatnot. But this is something where uh, we're going to be experiencing a rebirth, a rebirth of, the, of lunar significations. The moon is in the heart of the sun in the furnace right now, uh, getting burning off the dross of this old lunar cycle and planting a seed for the next month ahead. Generally, we have uh, a month-long cycle that we're experiencing with a new moon. Um, and we also can think of this cycle as part of a meta cycle where we are, you know, usually seeing the flowering of this cycle in uh, six months or so. We have two Aquarius uh, full moons over the course of the summer as well in late July, I believe July 23rd, and excuse me, August the 22nd. So keep an eye out for things that are going to be coming to fruition in about a month. And also things that you are going to be uh, bringing into fruition over the course of the next six months. So that's what we're looking for as far as timing today. Um, so what we're experiencing, we have a, a, a giant stack up with uh, the planets in Aquarius. We have one, two, three, four, five, six traditional planets here in Aquarius. And I'm seeing some new people coming on, uh, some new friends from Finland. Hello, Heidi. Uh, hello, Jay May. Uh, nice to see some old friends here today. This is very exciting. We're trying something new. 
So as I was saying, we have a, a stack up of about six planets in Aquarius, and we have one traditional planet that they are all going to be squaring. So in this case, we see that this stack up in Aquarius is going to be uh, squaring Mars. So this is a big part of our lunar journey this time. Okay, so Saturn is the host. So in traditional astrology, we look to a, a planet that is hosting at other planets that are visiting its temple. So we consider Aquarius, the sign of Aquarius, uh, a Saturnian temple, a diurnal temple of Saturn. So Saturn's going to be providing some of the core significations that all of these planets are going to be trying to work through. And Saturn provides things like distance, uh, deprivation, um, rebalancing uh, things that have gone out of whack. This is, I think, one of the things that I've been talking a lot about with Saturn is that Saturn is the planet of nemesis. And what that means in Greek mythology is it was a deity that basically restored right proportion to the random distributions of fate or of chance. So this is where we may, where something might feel like a punishment or a contraction, but really what it's doing is trying to restore things to universal or natural balance. And I take a lot of solace in that. I take a lot of peace of mind in that and knowing that some of these things aren't necessarily uh, you know, it's not the universe is out to get us. And that 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 is some of the things that it could feel like when we are experiencing Saturnian consequences. I think if we lean into Saturn and allow the changes that need to be, um, you know, brought forth to take place and accept them, that's that's another great way to approach any type of Saturn transit is acceptance. Um, but also doing the hard work necessary and enduring the changes. Once we come to terms with the reality of our situation, it's much easier to change it with grace. So this is something where we are, you know, trying not to swim upstream. If we are basing our life on old patterns and old narratives, that can be something that can create pain in our life when the reality and the present doesn't match up with that old story and that old narrative. So one of the things that we're looking at here with this new moon in particular is we are leaving the past behind. If you've been following along with my videos over Aquarius season, we've been looking at three different tarot cards uh, that represent each 10 degree section of the zodiac uh, for Aquarius. And we started off with the five of swords where we had some kind of conflict. And then this card is called defeat. So this is where we are realizing that the old way of doing things isn't necessarily moving us forward. Okay, this is where we're moving off, maybe even intentionally off into the fringes, in going into exile. And here in the second decan, we have someone who's being uh, ferried across the river, leaving the past behind, the process of leaving the past behind, but we're still kind of moving from the old shore into the unknown. And now, as we're talking about our new moon today, we're, we're looking at the seven of swords. So this seven of swords is shows a figure that is leaving an encampment, kind of sneaking away. He's, he's picked up those five swords that were won in battle. And perhaps this is knowledge that we have received from our past, from our experience. We may have had a, you know, some kind of defeat. We may have had some victories in our life, and we can learn from both of those experiences equally. So what we're looking at here is we are carrying with us that knowledge and leaving the past behind. So this new moon is very much focused on how can you take with you your wisdom from your previous experience and how can you leave that old story and that old system behind. And I say system too, because Saturn in Aquarius is all about the kind of idealistic systems and agreements that we make either with ourselves and with one another that create things like a society. Okay. So when we are trying to create uh, a society, we are, we are trying to agree upon laws that we all are going to follow and that we all are going to agree upon. That's what really creates the fabric of a society. So when we have Saturn here, we're, we're really trying to establish 
new laws, new limits and new restrictions that we can grow within. So if Saturn is those boundaries, we are trying to grow within them. We, we always have to have a container for our, our, our ideals. So with Saturn and Aquarius, we're really trying to create that container so that we can expand our consciousness and we can move forward. So this is a really interesting new moon because we have not only the sun and the moon here and Saturn, its host, we also have Jupiter and Venus making a conjunction today. So this is a, a really, this is a nice aspect as far as the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Um, these are the two benefics coming together. And benefic planets were doers of good. So these are planets that want to bring us good things in life. And Venus was the planet of good fortune. And Jupiter was the planet of good spirit. So this may be our higher self, Jupiter, uh, our, our good angel, you could say, our good daimon that is meeting a good opportunity. And that is something that is really powerful. When you have, you know, when you're acting out of your higher self and that meets uh, good fortune and good opportunity, that something magical could, could kind of happen with that. And I don't know about all of you out there, but I'm, I'm actually feeling quite hopeful today. I'm feeling a surge of energy. Um, I'm, feeling, uh, I'm feeling the light return. Maybe tell me in the comments if you're feeling... I don't know. I just I have a little bit of juice today that I hadn't felt in the last couple of weeks. It's been it's been a rough couple of weeks, I would say, especially for us Leo ascendants or Leo suns. Um, <laughs> it's uh, when you when the sun is in its exile, uh, you may not feel like you're on top of the world. You may not feel like you have as much energy as you normally would. And in the northern hemisphere here, we're in the the the, the dog days of winter where we're really you know going inside and kind of uh, hibernating a little bit. And uh, that, can be, that can be challenging as far as uh, feeling energized. Uh, I wanted to say hi to a few new people joining in the chat. Hi, Deborah. Happy new moon to you. Hi, Lisa Marie. Thank you for following along. It's so nice to have you all here. This is very exciting. Um, so we're talking new moon today. So we have this Jupiter-Venus conjunction, which is the marriage of good fortune and good spirit. We also have Mercury retrograde uh, happening in the sign of Aquarius as well. So we just experienced Mercury's Kazemi moment, excuse me, which is when Mercury was making a conjunction with the sun that happened roughly a week ago or so. And that's when Mercury became renewed and we may have gotten some really new ideas about how we want to move forward, how we want to leave the past behind how we're going to create new structures in our life based on our higher ideals. And now we're, you know, trying to implement that into our life. And we may have things that we're processing from the past with Mercury retrograde um, because Mercury is still, I think, technically in the underworld. Um, there is a condition uh, that Mercury finds himself in as a psychopomp. So when Mercury is retrograde, and under the beams of the sun, within 15 degrees of the sun. That was a condition known as, as Mercury being in the underworld. Okay, so this is kind of a, an experience where Mercury was uh, had a role of leading souls into the afterlife, into the underworld. He was a guide for the souls of the dead. So we can think of Mercury as going between worlds, going into our, our very core subterranean place and unearthing some kind of special knowledge that's going to help us leave the past behind. So I want you to really think about this new moon. What, uh, what, what old stories did you unearth in the last few weeks that can help you move forward and leave behind the past? So we are also seeing this uh, square with Mars. And Mars is hanging out in Taurus. Mars is hanging out in the second decan of Taurus. And this is an area of the zodiac that's associated with the six of pentacles. Uh, if you have experience with the tarot, you can see that there is a figure that is giving out alms to the poor. So this card has a lot to do with charity. It has a lot to do with the, uh, the, the rhythms of our life. Uh, the consistency of doing good work and showing up for our art or for our work and those consistent rhythms of our life. 
And Mars is a planet that separates us from things. Uh, it also encourages us to have um, courage and to have bravery to overcome the challenges that it brings. Mars is the planet of uh, bad fortune. So remember I was talking about Venus as good fortune, things that come to us, maybe not even through any effort of our own. Mars is some challenging things that come to us, but they may not be our fault. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at the Taurus area of your chart and say, have, am I experiencing some hardships in this area of my life in the Taurus area right now? And let me know in the chat box if you've had some Taurus issues come up. Um, because what we're doing is we're, um, we're having to work a little bit harder in that area of our life. And we may be having to leave some things behind in that area of our life as well. We may feel separated from the normal routines that brought us success in the past. And with Uranus here, we're really being challenged to start a new routine, to start something that is going to lead us into a future unfolding, okay? So we, we've seen this over the course of many, uh, I don't know, the last few weeks here, we've seen this kind of uh, encouragement for leaving the past behind. And I'm trying to keep an eye on the chat box here. So remember, I've got a 20-second delay, so I'll try to get to your questions as soon as I can. Um, but yes, we're leaving the past behind. We are uh, encouraged to, to break free of old limitations with Uranus as well, but we may suffer for it a little bit. Now, the good news is, is that uh, all of these planets in Aquarius are in what is called the overcoming position to the planets in Taurus. So even though we may experience some challenges due to this new start that we're experiencing in this new moon, eventually these Aquar this Aquarian visionary idealism is going to win out over the, the pain we might feel from the being separated from the old way of doing things. So this is kind of like growing pains, I think. So I'm looking in the chat box and Lisa Marie is asking, uh, does being under the beams undermine the planet completely or are they just working behind the scenes? I think that's a good question, and I think that there are various opinions on that. Traditional astrology will say that it does weaken the planet. It, it, it makes the expressions of the planet more difficult to manifest uh, visibly. Um, think about it like being uh, too close to the king. Um, it's, it's important to be close to the king, and they thought of the sun as the king. But if you get too close, he gets angry, and he can burn you. So there is like this anger of the sun that we may experience with that planet. Now, in a, mod, a more modern psychological approach, um, we could think about it as things happening behind the scenes. I think that is a legitimate way of observing it. Um, I think that, um, oh, it just, I guess it just depends. There are certain conditions that protect a planet from being harmed by the sun. There's a condition called being a planet being in its chariot in traditional astrology. And uh, that happens when a planet is either in its own domicile, exaltation, or triplicity. Now, there's various authors that, that agree or disagree on which dignities protect a planet, but they call it chariot because in ancient times, they uh, a, a, a chariot had like an awning over it that would protect you from the sun. So whenever we're examining a planet that's under the beams, we want to, uh, first of all, look at if a planet is um, in its chariot, in either its own domicile or exaltation or, or whatnot, or if it's Kazemi. That, that's another protective moment as well. When it's within one degree of the sun, that's said to be a very powerful concentration of that energy. Another way that you can think about a planet being under the beams of the sun is uh, a planet, when it is... Uh, coming into conjunction or into Kazemi with that planet, it will be like a person that is going down to its sickbed. Okay, so it's like you have an illness and you are falling ill and you need to become uh, renewed in the furnace of the sun and be almost like rejuvenated. And then when it's coming out of the conjunction with the sun, it's like someone rising from their sickbed. And eventually when it emerges from out of, under the beams, it will be able to uh, you know, walk again, basically. 
And those moments when a planet emerges from under the sun's beams are very powerful. That was a, a condition called phasis. So those are omens that speak very loudly. So we want to pay attention to when Mercury is going to retrograde out of conjunction with the sun. Same thing when, when the moon goes outside of a 15 degree conjunction with the sun as well. Okay, that is when the moon is said to be out from under the bond. So it becomes visible again because the sun literally will make a planet invisible. And when it appears again, that is like, okay, this is a moment where we really have to pay attention. Hi, Tarja. Uh, nice to see you as well. Uh, this is exciting. We're doing a new thing here with our YouTube live. I've got my whole Finland crew here today, apparently a very popular in Finland, which is super cool. I've, I, have, um, I have some Nordic roots. I have a, a grandparent, uh, grandparent's side of the family was from Norway. So uh, I, I hope to visit Scandinavia at some point in my life because I bet it would feel like a homecoming on some level. So very exciting to see you all here. This is cool. All right, Lisa, does that, uh, does that answer your question. I hope that that was good. Again, I'll be able to see your answer in a 20 second delay, but um, hopefully that was clear. I'm going to erase this here. Okay. So that is what we're experiencing today at our new moon. And I'm going to go through a few more things and then uh, we can just kind of open it up for, for questioning and for, you know, kind of, uh, you know, figuring out how we're going to apply this to our life. Um, another few things I wanted to talk about with this new moon is that uh, Mars here is going to be hosted by Venus. So that idealism, that visionary quality that we are experiencing with all this Aquarian stack up, the leaving of the past behind and, excuse me, trying to embrace the future, we're going to be able to take action based on that vision. That's really what Mars is going to be doing. Now, Mars is in its exile, so it's a little bit uncomfortable, but we have to be motivated by our vision. The actions motivated by long-term thinking are going to be able to lead us into a more um, fruitful future. So that's something really to keep in mind. Don't take actions just based on a need for material security at this point. Your actions at this point really need to be based on, does this uh, action come into alignment with your spirit, with your long range vision? Not short term, not based on the past, based on the long term. Hi, Loop Goat. Nice to see you. Um, Lisa Marie says, Mercury is, is in its triplicity. Sometimes it's good to be unseen. I have felt that my invisibility has protected my ego from becoming overinflated. Yes, uh, definitely. I think that one of the things I've been experiencing, especially as a Leo ascendant during Aquarius season, is uh, humility, a humbling. When we have the sun in its exile, we may not be special. You know, the sun is all about the concept of selection where we are saying we are the chosen ones. And Leo is a, is a sign that is associated with kingship, with being in the, the inside, right? Being the ones that is held up on a pedestal and being very visible. And there are some really valuable lessons to be learned uh, by being in exile and not being visible. And some of that allows you to grow um, without the influence of your community. I think this is something that's really important. I, I've been talking about in my forecasts that I've had some really interesting opportunities come up over Aquarius season, and I just have not been in the right headspace to say yes to them um, and to take advantage of those opportunities for, for many reasons, for multiple reasons. And But the most of those reasons, hi, Mira. Uh, most of those reasons, another from Finland. This is funny. I'm going to have to visit Finland. So I'm getting distracted by all, all my Finnish friends here, but that's, this is really cool. Um, so one of the things I was going to say is that, uh, when we are developing something from our core, um, uh, we are really trying to, um, I don't know how I would say it. We're trying to get rid of the noise. Okay. So we're trying to get rid of the noise of, are we going to do this 
for other people's approval? Or are we going to do it because it's a reflection of our true self, our true integrity? And I think this is one of the gifts of Aquarian energy is by removing all of the expectations of the crowd, by removing the the visibility, it allows us to take long-term actions that are motivated not by the response that we're going to get, but are motivated by that core essence that is true to our higher self. And that's a lesson I've really you know, had to really embrace over this Aquarius period because I don't know if it's kind of lonely during Aquarius season. And as a a Leo type person, I think a lot of the times we feel um, a lot of vitality from the response from our, our audience. Like today, I'm seeing all this interaction from all of you. And this is making me so happy as as a, a Leo rising, because a lot of times when we do these videos, it's like speaking into the void. And you know you don't know who's listening or whatnot, but being able to see your feedback in real time is just it's so special, you know. And I think that uh, this is a, a really a really neat experience. I'm really grateful for this. But again, during this Aquarius period, you you should be doing actions that have your long term interest in mind, and by not having to reveal it to your community yet, that's allowing you to really be true to yourself. Okay. Does that make sense? All right. So let's talk about a couple other things real quick here, man. We've got the Finland crew here Four four Finland people. That's awesome. I am going to show you uh, my star chart for a second here. This is a program called starry night pro. And this is a program there where I like to show you the sky so that we can get an understanding. And here, if we zoom in, we could see that there's this huge stack up here. There's Venus, Jupiter, we've got Saturn here, the sun, Mercury, the moon, all of it hanging out in Aquarius. And one of the things that I've talked about is over time is that um, we are seeing a, a difference between the sidereal zodiac and the tropical one okay so this is a um this is a condition from procession and procession is that quality where we are um where there is a separation of the two zodiacs sidereal being based on the position of the stars and the tropical being based on the position of the sun at the turnings, at the cardinal turnings, okay, at the solstices and the equinoxes. And in Western astrology, we use the tropical zodiac. And you can see here, this green line is the ecliptic. And we have sort of a, these red lines are are rough estimates of where the signs begin and end. They're not exact. This red line here is the celestial equator. I realized later that this isn't exact, but it does give us a rough estimate. But we can see that in this tropical sign of Aquarius, we have part of the constellation of Aquarius, the shoulder, all right? But we have most of the sign of Capricorn or the the constellation of Capricorn, I should say. Here we have Delphinius, the dolphin, and we have part of Aquila, the eagle. And here's Ganymede, who he was chasing, okay? And what we've got in this third decan is the sun is right on the shoulder of Aquarius. And this was a star. There's a fixed star here called Sal del Sud. And this was called the luckiest of the lucky or the mighty destiny in in tradition. Okay, so this is a very fortunate fixed star. Um, And it speaks a lot about um, the ability to, to really create Uh, the best of humanity, but through letting go and cleansing our darker nature. Okay. So this is one thing to keep in mind is that these waters that, you know, there is, there is mythology that's associated with um, Hercules where he, he was given the task to clean uh, the stables that had not been cleaned for many thousands of years. So this may be where we're using our Saturnian air, like, idealism to to bring back right proportion to the universe to bring balance back to the force and this star was associated with you know overcoming hardship 
and being able to create goodness from it. Sometimes, sometimes we experience, um, sometimes we experience the bad things first before we are able to take the action to cleanse. And so there is some uh, associations with the research that I've did, done with some of really horrible um, acts in history with this area of the Zodiac as well. Um, I'm talking about things like genocide and, and things like that, some really heinous stuff. And I think that we, we had to become aware of some of the lower nature of humanity to be able to restore right proportion to it. Because a lot of times we get, um, when we allow things to fester underneath the ground, it, it's difficult sometimes to, to deal with it. And by making it visible and having it come to the surface, then we can cleanse it away. But our awareness needs to be focused on it first. So there may be some situation in your life with this new moon where you become aware of some kind of corruption. You, you, you become aware of some kind of hardship or some kind of old narrative that just isn't working. And it may be painful at first. There may be a Saturnian uh, punishment that comes up. Uh, where you feel like, oh man, this, th this time for this to end. And that, but that in turn will lead to a cleansing in your life that will feel very liberating and refreshing and help you build a new structure that is based on your true self. I'm seeing some nice comments in the chat here. Uh, thank you, Deborah. Um, I, I try to, um, I try to be, I try to cultivate humility. It's a, it's a difficult thing to do sometimes. I do have a 12th house sun, so that's a, that's a position uh, for a Leo rising that where the universe is going to humble you, whether you like it or not. So I would say that some of my own humility has come from just an enormous amount of mistakes that I've made over time and, and you know, being forced to either learn from them or continue to suffer. So I think that that's a lot of where maybe my own humility comes in is just that I've shot myself in the foot so many times that, uh, you know, I have to keep picking myself up off the mat and, you know, uh, going forward again. But, you know, that's life. That's life. And that's the, some of the lessons of the 12th house. And interestingly enough, the 12th house is the joy of Saturn. So a lot of the, the experiences I've had have been Saturnian course corrections. And a lot of those Saturnian course corrections have been to my ego. And I'm, I'm grateful for it because it is bringing me more in alignment with um, a better expression of my true self and not just a mask that I'm putting on for other people. And I hope that that comes through in these, in these videos as well. All right. So that's one of the fixed stars that we're seeing. There is one more fixed star that is close to this area of the zodiac. And we can see it here. This is called Deneb Algedi. And this is in the tail of Capricorn. So in the tale of Capricorn, this star was, was called the ancient lawgiver. So this really does fit in with some of the themes we've been talking about with Saturn and with our ability to uh, recreate the social agreements that we have, but through, uh, through seeing uh, some of the challenges that we're experiencing in our collective, uh, we're seeing a lot of changes right now in um, the different governing bodies in America and in particular. I've been trying to keep up with international stuff, but we, we really have a lot going on here in America. It's hard for me to even keep up with, with what's going on in the American news, but I'm seeing some things in the news that are speaking to radical shifts in the way that we are governing and the way that we are treating one another as human beings. And it's based on having to, to rebalance and bring some sanity back to our, uh, the way that we treat each other and some fairness and some humility. So that's something that I've been seeing happening uh, in various parts of the world. Okay, so let's go back to the chart. How you doing out there? Everybody doing okay? This is fun. Let's share this screen. Y'all hanging in there? I'm, gl I'm glad we were able to do this early enough for my Scandinavian friends. I think they're on a a five hour, uh, they're five hours later than me here. So I'm sorry for my California friends. <laughs> this may be a little early for you, but it's difficult to, to figure out when the best time for everyone is. Okay. 
So another thing I wanted to cover is I wanted to show you and I wanted to take you through um, I wanted to take you through the first two phases of this moon cycle, okay? So we are we, we're getting the seed planted today. We're having the Jupiter uh, Venus conjunction. Um, we're going to be seeing all of those things squaring Mars, okay? And I want to see uh, where are we going to hit the first quarter phase and what, what, what we might experience with that. And then when are we going to hit the full moon? Because I think I'd like to maybe do another live at the full moon and see how that turns out. Because I, I like these lunar videos being interactive. That, that seems like a really interesting way. Because then I, we can see and we can check back in with one another and say, all right, we talked about these seeds in the new moon cycle. Now, how is it going? How is it? How is everybody doing? What came to fruition for you? So I'm going to move my chart forward here to February the 19th. Because on February the 19th, we're going to be seeing the moon squaring the sun. Okay, so this is our first quarter moon. And this is where we are experiencing some kind of uh, crisis. Physical crisis is, is one thing that, that uh, Dane Rudyard explained this as, like a, a crisis in the world of trying to bring the new vision into material form. Last quarter moons are more about existential crises, about leaving the lunar cycle behind and maybe changing your mind on something. But here we're trying to bring something into form. And what I want you to notice is that the sun has already moved into Pisces and the moon will be in Gemini. So in this decan of, of Pisces 1, uh, we, we see the card, uh, the Eight of Cups. And this card is about leaving uh, the known behind. It's a little bit different than the Seven of Swords. The Seven of Swords is leaving behind the past and, and leaving behind these old ideas. I think that the Eight of Cups speaks a little bit more about going into your imagination and trying to find purpose and trying to find meaning. Austin Coppett called that card the labyrinth. So there may be some confusion at first as to what our new purpose is. We're trying to reunify our new vision with our material reality in Pisces, right? We're trying to marry the two. And there may be some confusion about a proliferation of options, okay? First decade of Gemini is about, um, it, we see the eight of swords in that card where we have a blindfolded figure that is bound. And there's a paralysis by analysis. There's a paralysis by proliferation with that moon there. So because we are searching for a new sense of meaning after leaving the old behind, we may see many, many different directions that we could go in, and that could feel a little stressful. So the key, I think, with this is to, uh, I think that the key with this is asking yourself, if it's not 100% yes, then it's a no. This is, this is the way I've been conducting my affairs recently. I'm just checking in with myself, and I say, is this completely in alignment with my integrity? Is this completely in alignment with who I want to be? And if, it, if I can say no, then I'm not going to do it. And, and there's, it, it is painful sometimes because I, um, I have a Mercury retrograde in my chart. And sometimes I question myself and, and question my choices almost just incessantly. So if I pass up something, I always like sometimes... Uh, feel like, oh man, did I really miss out on this thing? And I think that it's possible that maybe you did, but if you are in alignment with your integrity, I think you're always going to find yourself um, with opportunities to manifest that on the physical plane, okay? I think just because you didn't, you know, you, you didn't feel the 100% yes at that moment, that there will never be a chance again. Because just by the virtue of you being true to yourself, you will start to uh, attract people that are much more in alignment with your vibration, you know, and it, that, that, that can't help but be true. You know, if we eliminate that, which is, is not in alignment with our, our vision and our integrity, the only thing that's left is people that are, and it may take a little while, it may take some patience before uh, that, that comes into our life. 
But the thing I can tell you about that is be prepared. Just because the opportunity isn't presented to you right away doesn't mean that you shouldn't be preparing for when the opportunity does come that you can say, yes, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is my 100% yes. Okay. And yes, have faith. I love these comments. Let your yes be a yes, says Lisa, and your no be a no. I love that. And have faith, says Tarja, uh, in Pisces. Um, but it is very difficult because we, we've been, we live in a society that really uh, tells us that if we don't jump on something right away, if we don't buy this thing, we're going to lose the, the deal. You know, if we don't uh, get on board with this train, we're going to be left behind. Uh, it's, it's kind of this uh, glorification of this youthful energy. And um, what we lose when we, when we only glorify youth is the beauty of, of the patience of our elderhood, right? And our ability to see the long term and, and their ability to cultivate uh, delayed gratification. And I think that that's something that's going to be so important at this uh, Aquarius new moon is the concept of delayed gratification. Because sometimes when you delay gratification and you only uh, become revealed when you are ready, it's so much sweeter because you can see all the things that you did to lead up to it. And you can see all the compromises that you didn't make. And you'll it's going to be something that you really believe in rather than something that you're like feeling you know, half-assed about, you know, and, and, and I think that that's, that is really, um, it's really valuable. And, but, but I do think, I do think that, um, you know, things like capitalism try to encourage us to make compromises. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that we're constantly being advertised to, and part of the core of advertising theory is to make people feel insecure and to make people feel that they need something and they need it now. And you know, now our attention has become a commodity. So instead of just being sold um, a thing, a physical good, we're being sold an idea. And we have to think that, oh, we have to embrace this idea right now. We have to embrace this new way of thinking, this new knowledge right now, or we're gonna lose out. And I just don't think that that's necessarily true. Um, you'll know when the opportunity is right. And, uh, you know, opportunity was called Kairos in, in Greek mythology. And Kairos had a lock of hair on his forehead. And you could only grab him right at that right opportune moment. You could never grab him from behind. So that t teaches us that we shouldn't regret opportunities past. Not e they said not even Zeus himself could grab Kairos from behind. And you're not going to be able to grab him uh, before he's right in, within your grasp either. So this, is, this will help us to release regret for the past. And I think this is a really important point with Aquarius 3, is um, this Deccan is a lot about built-up resentments over time, built-up frustrations, but it's, those are necessary frustrations and resentments to move us forward, to, to have us finally say, enough is enough, I have to let this go. Because we are... Um, creatures of comfort. It's very difficult to make changes in our life sometimes. But when we get so uncomfortable that we're like, there's no other way, that's when we experience a revolution. And that actually is part of what's leading us to our I Ching reading here. And I'll get to that in a second. But um, just don't feel too overwhelmed by too many options here at this first quarter moon. I want to move forward for just a second uh, for to the, to the full moon, because I just want to show you real quick what we're moving towards. So you can understand what the fruition is going to be. Um, the next full moon is going to be on February the 27th uh, at eight degrees of Virgo, opposite the eight degree Piscean sun. So this is going to be about your vision starting to take form. So we, we see about going off into the wilderness to find meaning in the eight of cups uh, the moon will be in the Deccan associated with the Eight of Pentacles, which is represented by a figure that is working very hard on his craft. Okay, You see somebody who is just uh, hammering out these pentacles here. And this is, this is an, an apprenticeship card. So there may be some new learning that you need to do to, to be able to create your vision at this full moon. Um, and this card has a lot to do with 
uh, work that you might not be getting credit for yet. Uh, the, the three of pentacles talks about recognition for your work, okay? But the eight of pentacles is more about you may be doing more work than recognition that you're getting, um, but, but you still have to do the work. Uh, they talk about an apprentice of an advanced age. And I have Jupiter in this, in this deck, and so this is really a part of my experience. Um, I always want to be learning. I always want to be working and adding new things to my experience and to my skill set. And, you know, I work really hard at all the details of my life here. And a lot of the times you have to figure out what is the best form, what can stay and what can go. So when you have a vision, you have to figure out what is the best way to implement that vision on the material plane. And sometimes there will be some limits as to how much of the vision you can manifest just by the basis of it being materialized into form because we can always imagine more than we can manifest into form that's just kind of the nature of our imaginations um so you'll like a good uh mercurial uh virgo moon there you have to decide what stays and what goes out of your new vision that you're trying to bring into form so that's just a little preview. I think I'll do another one of these lives because it's this is really fun um, at the full moon. So you can tell me how is your vision manifesting. But I want you to write down, I'll give you homework. I want you to write down that, you know, I want you to think about what am I going to leave behind? What, what narratives aren't serving me anymore? What needs a revolution of change? Uh, and then throughout the first quarter process, Write down some options, okay? You don't have to act on all those options yet. You just have to be aware of them. Don't let them paralyze you, but be aware of different directions you could go. And then ask yourself, is it in alignment with my integrity? Is it in alignment with my vision and my true self, not the self that I want approval from others from, but it, but my real true path? And then when we get to the full moon, we'll see how some of those things are, are manifesting into form, okay? All right. So what I want to do, anybody have questions on that? I'm going to talk about the, uh, the hexagram here for a minute, and then we can kind of chat a little bit. But thank you all for being here today. It's exciting. Are we really on a seven-hour time difference to Finland? That's, that's, quite a, that's quite a time difference. I'm glad I started it early then, if that's the case, because then uh, you all aren't going to be up in the middle of the night. Okay, so I'm drawing out the hexagram here. And I have been using the I Ching in these videos. And uh, yeah, more lives. This is fun. Yeah, I, I agree, Susanna. It's nice to be able to interact with all of you in, in close to real time here. So I'm drawing out this hexagram. And uh, what I got today, it's very interesting. This is, and, and I've been getting some nice feedback from Susanna about her use of the I Ching, and it seems like we're getting similar hexagrams, <laughs> um, which is funny. Without giving away too much, Susanna, can I share your sun placement? I don't, I don't want to share it if you're private about it, but um, we have some things in common, Susanna and I, in our charts. But the hexagram that we've got here is uh, number 49. And number 49 is revolution. So this is, this is just very interesting. Uh, they also call this hexagram radical change or molting. Okay. So I love the word molting for this one because what we're really trying to do is we are trying to shed old skin. We're trying to shed an old narrative. And I think I got the, the go-ahead with Susanna. Susanna and I share a sun degree placement. We, we're both 15-degree cancer suns. So we're tapping into some kind of psychic <laughs> power with this I Ching uh, at various times. So that's kind of neat. Um, maybe it's Canopus or Sirius that we're tapping into as well. Um, yeah, I really enjoy my talks with Susanna. We have a, a nice connection. Um, so revolution, radical change, molting, what do we need to shed to move forward? And I think this is actually really the, the, the crux of this hexagram is that we really do need to shed 
something old to move forward. And Susanna, I agree. The I Ching is the best oracle in the world. She says it never fails you. It's, it is, and that is so true. It is something that is very direct. It is, uh, it is um, practical. It gives us things that we can do right now, even if that thing that we can do right now is, you know, relax, <laughs> you know, or be patient. It will tell us if we're trying to force the river. Uh, it, te- it tells you the kind of the situation or the mindset of the Tao. And that is the natural direction that things are heading. And it brings so much clarity to a natal chart as well, or, or to a transit chart. Because sometimes a, a, an astrology chart can mean so many different things. But if we combine the symbolism in the chart with something like the I Ching, it becomes a lot more clear. So 49, let's talk about this radical change, this molting. This really feels a lot like our Seven of Swords card, right? Where we are leaving something behind, okay? So one of the, uh, one of the translations that I use, it's um, by this woman named Hillary Barrett. She has questions in that one. And what she does when she's asking questions, sorry, I dropped some of my tarot cards here. Uh, she's giving us things to, to meditate on. She's giving us medita- meditation questions. Um, and I'm getting a question here from Olive Oil 20. Do you use the, co- the coins or the yarrow stalks? Well, uh, I-, I used to use coins. Um, I used to use physical coins and I had a, a book that I would just, I have a whole like folder with old questions that I wrote down. I used to do them all by hand. I think I still have them. I've been using I Ching for roughly, oh man, probably 20 years now. Um, but I have an app on my phone called uh, I Ching, uh, Y-I-J-I-N-G. And it's, it's a, I think it's an Android and an iOS app for Apple, but uh, it has multiple translations and it allows you to like toss the coins in the app. So I do toss coins, but they're virtual coins. And I use it every day. I do one in the morning just as a meditation for the day. I do one for every one of these videos now. So that gives me a little bit of guidance. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, I'm seeing some some comments in the chat about learning more about the I Ching. I'd be, I'm, I'd be happy to do some more teaching around the I Ching. Uh, again, I'm, I'm used it for a long time, but I, I would not necessarily consider myself an expert at it, but uh, it's something that I find a lot of value in. But I will see if I can do some videos about talking about how to use it in your everyday life because um, I, I think 22 decades into using it, I'm, I think I'm starting to grasp it. Uh, it can be very um, cagey at first. It can be very ambiguous. Um, but but over the years of using it, it you'll you will start to understand what it's trying to teach you a little bit better. Um, okay, so let's talk about forty nine a little bit more here. Um, forty nine asks you, how can you break the mold? How must the form change to express the essence? Oh man, that's perfect. I talk about essence all the time on this show, and how can we get to the core essence? And again, we are being we're seeing Mars shattering our old forms in combination with Uranus and Taurus, our old crystallized, you know, earthly form to be able to move forward, to get more to that core idealism. Okay. Uh, So one thing that I would say is that we can't get attached to the way that something is going to manifest. This has been something that I've had to learn over time. I'm a Taurus moon. So I have my routines. I've, I've got like, I'm really stubborn about doing things a certain way. And uh, I've had to learn that, you know, the form does not equal the essence. Okay. The, the material thing does not necessarily equal the spirit of the thing. And I've had to change how I do things a lot. Um, you know, here's one example. I was realizing in my journey from musician to astrologer that uh, when I was teaching music, I was trying to teach these life concepts to my students, especially in my community college classes. I would get off on these, I would get off on astrological tans- tangents or philosophical tangents. 
And I realized that that was the essence of my teaching and that this experience that we're doing here was a little bit more direct. I, I didn't have to disguise what I was doing in like, oh, we're doing music. You know, not that music is bad. I love music and I, I would love to keep doing it. It's just that I realized that that essence was, was still me, was going to come out no matter what art form or what uh, intellectual exercise I was going to be doing. So you could see that I, I shattered one form of how I was teaching and I've, I've created another one, but the core of what comes out of me is the same. So we can't get attached to form. Um, that's what this hexagram is really teaching us. We have to make changes on a deep, uh, a deep level, not just an external level too. This was something that came up with the changing lines. So let's talk about the changing lines. The changing lines are when a broken line is changing to a, a fixed line or a, a fixed line is changing to a broken line. And you could see that with the dots here that I drew. And we usually read these from the bottom up. One of the new things that I'm learning about is that these hexagrams on the bottom, these bottom three lines have more to do with the beginning of an endeavor and the top more the end. And the bottom is also related more to the material and the top is more towards the idealistic. So we do, we're going to start with this bottom line and this is line number two. Okay. So we can say, uh, this says, announce your new changes and deal with any forces that threaten to sabotage it. It says, change is necessary. You need a strong vision of the ultimate outcome. Take determined action. So this may be where you have to make a pronouncement of what you want to leave behind, what change you want to make. And because Mars is square, some of these planets, there probably will be some conflict in, in another area of your life. But by just by making a commitment to your new um, vision, you are going to be able to unearth the inherent challenges in the path. A lot of the times there's just challenges in the path itself. It doesn't mean that your vision is wrong. It just means that we have to overcome obstacles all the time in life. That's part of being a human being. And you're going to be able to deal with these things as they come up by you know, committing to your new outcome. Okay. All right. Line number four says, regrets vanish. There is truth and confidence. You are ready. Revolution is underway. It says to inhabit the present to release regrets of the past. Change in your guiding principles. This new outlook will be better than the old. So this, this is where the faith comes in. Is A lot of times we are afraid to move into the unknown because we're afraid that we're going to leave behind um, something good and what, the new thing that's going to come along isn't going to be as good. You know, that's what that's a lot of the reason why we're afraid to change sometimes. Even if we're suffering, as human beings, we can justify anything and we can find silver linings and things. And and the other thing to think about with that is that uh, all experiences aren't all good and all bad. There may be some things that we have to leave behind that are, um, there's some things we like about it, you know, and there's things that we were attached to. Um, but their time may have come. And, and it's not that they were necessarily wrong. It's just that they've outlived their time. And that's true with anything, with any change, is that it, it's not, we don't have to always make it wrong. We just have to realize that certain things, um, you know, need to be returned to the earth. Eventually, our bodies will need to be returned to the earth. Um, but the soul will live on. And that's uh, the essence will live on. Okay. Line number six at the very top. It says, a noble one transforms like a leopard. Small people radically change their faces. So this is referring to changing your core and not just your external appearances. Sometimes when we uh, think about making a change, um, we only change the superficial things, but we don't change the actual ideals that are motivating them. And uh, so this encourages you to make those changes on a really deep level and not just, you know, for show, okay? Um, because those changes that you make for show uh, superficially probably aren't going to be sustainable because what's motivating them is corrupt, right? It's, it's, you're still being motivated by the old narrative. So if you can change the, the belief it's going to be much easier to stick to the outer form of what you're doing with integrity. 
And I, integrity is a word that I, I, I specifically went and looked it up today to, to get a, even a better understanding because we toss these words around, but sometimes we have to understand what do they really mean? And integrity, it says steadfast adherence to a strict moral or ethical code, okay? It says being whole and undivided. It's associated with honor, refusal to compromise your true self. So what I want you to ask yourself, what is your ethical and moral code that's motivating the actions in the external world? And does that need a revolution as well? Okay, because, uh, you know, with this pandemic, with the new air age that we've moved into with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and air signs now, the way that we're doing, have done things in the past has to change. Um, we have to become a little bit more decentralized. We may need to do things in a, in a, a maybe a, a way that is more, hmm, I don't know, less contained. We, we need less attachment to like the, the solid form of things like, like working online versus, you know, being obsessed with going into an office. That could be one manifestation, right? Like the form of it changes, but the essence is still there. And uh, the leopard that was mentioned in this line really makes a lot of sense to me. I looked up the jaguar, the leopard. I like doing animal symbolism as well. And the, and the jaguar sp spoke to facing your fears, leaping into the unknown with, un with integrity, okay? And th it also spoke to some of the, the suffering and punishment that we may experience if we don't maintain our integrity. So that's Saturn. If we're, if we're acting out of alignment with our true self, and I really mean true self, not our ex the expectations of our society, of our partners, of our children, of our you know peer group, really in alignment with our true self. Uh, you know we're going to experience less less blowback, I think. Um, and at first, it may feel like we are in exile, right? Because sometimes to be in alignment with our true integrity, we have to step outside of the known. We have to step away from the socially acceptable action. And, but that's, that's where integrity comes in. That's, that's the true essence of that. Okay. So we'll finish this up by talking about hexagram number nine. Y'all doing okay out there still? All right. So hexagram number nine says, what small thing can I work on today? How can I cultivate better terrain? It says, quote, dense clouds, but no rain. Okay, so this is interesting because this is a, a, uh, an, a hexagram that talks about um, a feeling of anticipation where you, you know that all the, all the elements are there, right? All the elements for rain, for that liberating rain are there. You've got these dense, dark clouds. You've got the barometric pressure has changed. And it's that moment before the thunderstorm that you're feeling this like, anxiety, you know, like, oh, I wish it would just rain, you know, um, but we can't force it to rain. And we just have to prepare. Maybe, maybe we get our umbrella out. Maybe we find shelter. Maybe we uh, bring uh, the plants inside if it's going to be a difficult storm. Okay. So this is, this brings us back to being prepared for the opportune moments. All right. It says small details that are still needing to be attended to. Another name for this uh, hexagram number nine is restraint and the taming power of the small. So we still have some details that have to be attended to before our vision can be manifested. So this, this is a member, we have a full moon in Virgo. So we are going to have to deal with the, the details of our vision before it can manifest into form. Okay. So I think that's what I've got here for, for you with this new moon and with this hexagram. How y'all doing? I know I'm on a delay here, but this is exciting. I'm gonna stop my share for a second and see if I can just see what I can see. Are we all still here? I just wanna say while I'm waiting for uh, and some feedback on this is, that I really do appreciate you all hanging out with me today. Um, this is really fun. <laughs> this is a new experience for me. And uh, it, it's really cool to see all of you coming in and talking about your experiences 
And uh, I want to know, let me know um, in the comments, you know, it could be through our chat here or throughout the future that I think this will still be on uh, my YouTube channel. So if you, if you're able to, to recognize some things that need to be left behind, um, you know, let me know, let me know what in the comments that where is your personal revolution taking place? Look at that Aquarius area of your chart and where are you going to have that, that personal revolution and how can you be patient and how can you stay in touch with your personal integrity? Let me know in the comments what you're working on. And, you know, if you come to some realizations over the course of this lunar cycle uh, between now and the 27th, uh, leave a comment there as well. That's that's another great way to to check in. And I always I always check the comments and I always try to respond as much as I can. And uh, I will try if if this is something that you all like, I'll try to do this again at the full moon um, on the 27th. So let me know if this is this is something that we should incorporate in, and uh, and we'll do it. You know, yeah, another live in in two weeks for the the full moon. I think that would be a good thing to do. So, um, yeah. I think that's what I've got here for you all today. Uh, I'm just looking at the comments here. Uh, another live in another two weeks. Uh, love the combination of astrology, tarot, and the I Ching. Thank you, Mira. I appreciate you being here. Uh, Lisa says I'm at work, so I have to re-listen to what I've missed. This has been a beautiful place thing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa Marie, for being here. Thank you for your kind comments on my videos. I really enjoy your feedback. Thank you, all my friends in Finland. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> really, it's really, uh, really neat. And I, I've, there must be something in the water over there because uh, all of my Finnish friends seem very, um, very wise, uh, very. Uh, very deep. And maybe it's just because it's so cold and, and there's a lot of reflection that takes place, but I feel like there's a lot of wisdom over there. And, and uh, thank you so much for sharing your vision as well. It is, is very informative to me to hear a perspective outside of my own, you know, American perspective outside of, you know, my own, uh, I don't know, just outside of my own world. So it's a lot of fun. Um, and thank you all for, for being here today. So uh, for those of you at home, if you're enjoying what I do here, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit, hit a like for this video, leave me a comment. If you want to make a material donation to the work that I do, I have a Venmo at Spencer Michaud or a PayPal me, paypal.me backslash Spencer Michaud. Um, yeah. And uh, just a heads up for all of you, I am going to be giving a talk uh, for the... Um, a, an astrology group in Victoria, British Columbia. It will be online. It is open to the public. I'm going to be talking about a, the in, an introduction to fixed stars and how to use them in your chart. So that's going to be February the 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So I don't think it's too late for my Scandinavian friends. Um, but I will be posting links to that around. So make sure that you keep your eyes peeled for that. For that. That's going to be February the 21st, an introduction to fixed stars with the Victoria British Columbia Astrology Group. So just want to announce that and uh, put it on your calendar. Um, and yeah, uh, <laughs> Susanna says, we are Vikings. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yes. Beautiful. I hope that I have a little bit of that Viking spirit in me with that Norwegian Norwegian ancestry. I, I feel a kinship with all of you. So thank you for helping me to get in touch with my roots. All right. So thank you all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut this down here. And uh, please be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. I hope you have a great new moon and a, a, a great uh, Aquarius lunar cycle. And we will talk soon. Peace, everyone.